everybody. Welcome back for another edition of the Club Cool Podcast. I'm your host, Barrett Dudley. I'm here brought to you by Washed Media in the Washed Media Studios. Joining me on the other side of the table, today it's not Phil. No, today I've got a very special guest. I've got a fellow content creator in the uh, the fashion style space. I'm really excited to, to sit down with him and introduce him to you guys and uh, and talk shop for about an hour. Uh, it's Clayton Chambers of the Spreza Newsletter. Welcome, Clayton. How we doing? I'm doing all right. Um Glad to have you. Happy to be here. Always exciting to Likewise. have to have a new a new person to talk to on the show. This is pretty dope. Not yeah. gonna lie, I feel to, I feel very official being in a studio like this. We have a very uh, th- shouts to producer Randy over there on the ones and twos. All right, all right. Um, the uh, the setup's great. We're uh, we're doing our best to, to to kick out YouTube videos and hey, how are those reels going over there, Randy? Got some hot hot new reels coming pretty soon. We see the head shaking. Yes, it's <laughs> a good sign. That's, that's good. Yeah. Um, so. Let's just jump right in, shall we? Yep, let's do it. Uh, you, I'll, I'll give the full backstory. Uh, a couple of listeners here, one who's actually been a guest on the podcast, Braxton, kind of put, right, yeah. put me in touch with you, told me, hey, you should check out this guy. Like, He's kind of doing some stuff that I think you'd really vibe with, and uh, we were able to connect. And totally, like, just based on, you know, on, on checking your stuff out and subscribing to the newsletter over the past few weeks and, and looking into your social media accounts think we uh are definitely on the same page about a lot of stuff interested in in similar brands and, and similar we styles we vibe you, exactly uh and so tell us tell me a little bit about your newsletter yep. which is kind of like the your i think your main thing right yeah i i've been doing uh i've been doing a handful of things the last year uh moved to austin from brooklyn so was was in brooklyn the last few years and spent uh, really, the, the better part of the last nine to twelve months, uh, doing some consulting and writing, uh, working on my own projects, and and one of those projects that sort of popped up was Spreza. Uh, Spreza is just a, a newsletter uh, at its very basic level that explores what men's style is, and uh, I think over the last twelve months, if we've all learned anything, like having a creative outlet of any kind is uh, is is Im- <laughs> imperative to mental sanity, and so uh, totally. Spreza was born out of out of that being stuck at home and thinking of like just sort of rethinking like what are some things that I enjoy doing in my daily life and uh, what are some things that can sort of bring me away from uh, the challenges of just like being stuck at home every day and so Spreza was born out of that and uh, you know for me I think um, having been in the menswear space having been in style world for a while um, there's a lot of stuff that I've learned and, and even like my own taste and styles have matured over the years and so uh, I wanted Spreza to sort of be a destination both for myself and for other people who want to follow along to um, explore what men's style means for them. Yeah. Um, and for me, I would just say, like, style is something that I think compounds. Like, over the years, it's something that, like, you make an investment in. And then, like, 20, 30 years, you are that dope-looking guy, you know, with, with gray hair is driving on the Amalfi Coast in your vintage yeah. Porsche. And, like, that's sort of the vibe I, I, I want in my older years. And so... Uh, that's what that's what I wanted to spread. spread yeah, if we, yeah, if we had a patron patron saint, like for like each of the age groups, the demographics that might listen to the podcast, the guy that you, that would be up on the wall <laughs> for for that one, I think is Brunello Cuccinelli. We we, reference, we reference him every once in a while for God. just like that perfect like kind of middle aged guy. Just I mean, it, the 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 name of your of your newsletter even like comes from like the Sprezzatura, right? Sprezzatura, yeah, the, it's uh, the, kind of the Italian, totally. Je ne sais quoi. Uh, it right? is. Uh, yeah, I and, think like he has it in spades for sure. Yeah, I think um, sprezzatura was always a word that I've loved. And uh, I think like the translation or like the description of translation is like with ease, right? Like to do everything with ease and effortlessly. And I think, uh, you know, my inspiration of being able to see that was when like the first time I went to Italy and 
Um, I went there for Pitiomo, which is um, the menswear trade show, right, in Florence, Italy. And everyone you see there is just like this idealistic yeah. view of like what you should look like. P- Pity is like where I think that's where like the peacocking street style was born or yep. or if not it was absolutely kind of like honed and perfected there with all the wild tailoring and kind of i mean oh, yeah. especially i think we both kind of have uh have some have some starting points in like the whole hashtag menswear era when where you had like yeah. your lapel pin plus your uh tie bar plus your pocket square like plus your like cropped pants with no socks like plus your yellow ducky brown like brogues like the whole shebang the early twenty tens, the man. early twenty tens, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what what were you? Did you go to Pity just like as an experience, or were you prior to Sprezzo? Like, what mm. do, you, do you have like a background or, or history in the in the industry at all, or is it just it, has it just been like a hobby and a passion for you? Yeah, it started like my, I would say my my earliest memories uh, around style come from like I grew up in a big family and uh, I grew up in a religious home, and so my mom, I remember. Uh, we all, we wore a bunch of hand-me-downs and she would always like make our shirts and like, you know, ties and make us wear suits to church. And so like, for me, that was the earliest memories of, of like caring about the way that you dressed and the way that you looked. And I think over the years I inherited some of those, you know, traits too, of just like my mom taught us how to say like tailor and sew our own clothing and yeah. like, so I'm to like alter my own pants and shirts. And so, uh, for me, style was always sort of integrated into, you know, my daily life. And it's something I wanted to like take more seriously as I got older. And when I went to school, uh, I went to college up in New York mm-hmm. in the city. Um, I felt like that was the first time I really opened my eyes to style and, and different styles of fashion and like how you can see um, just the diversity of how people dress and like how they express themselves. And it was something I was just fascinated with. I was enamored by. And like at the time, I think my style was really just about like, it was very preppy. Uh, so sure. like Oxford shirts and, you know, khaki slacks and maybe some loafers or a pair of Clark's boots. And like, it was, and, it was very, you, you, you have that, you, you mentioned like your, your background being um, maybe a little bit more buttoned up or conservative. You came totally. from a religious home yep. and you kind of grew up in the South as well. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like part know, of the Bible I, belt, my dad was a pastor. And yeah. so I like, and I have six older brothers and a younger sister. So like big family, religious home, grew up in a conservative world. And, uh, and I think, yeah, going into the city was like the first experience I had where just sure. like my eyes opened to just the diversity of fashion and what it means for, you know, everyone. And so, um, you know, I was fortunate to get opportunities to work at places like Barney's New York and Michael Kors. Those were my first experiences, you know, so you talk about like growing up in the South to the opposite extreme of like working yeah. at the luxury <laughs> end of fashion and what that meant. Um, yeah. I got to see editorial department and I got to work in, you know, the merchandising and buying side of things. And it was just it was it was something I'll never forget and always appreciate, but I'll never forget like the first time I uh I bought like for the buying team at Barney's a like it's like a twenty thousand dollar fur skin coat from Saint Laurent and <laughs> I was just like, What who the hell is gonna buy this? Yeah, yeah. And, and like fill it like the purchase order basically, like, yeah, we'll take two of those or like, whatever. Yeah, we'll take like twenty of those. Twenty yeah. of those. <laughs> Turns out a lot of people will buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not uh, not enough though, because because uh, because rest in peace to Barney's. R.I.P. to Barney's. But man. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I was just. Oh man, uh, so Barney's was kind of my first fashion job as well. Yeah, there was a Barney's co-op at, right. up at the Domain here in in Austin, and like you know, I I took a part time job there as like the back of house, like shipping and handling manager, basically, uh, just because I wanted I wanted to to be there so badly, and and by the time I left, I was like. Like you're saying, more involved with uh, with the visuals and the merchandising mm-hmm. as well, um, and then I got to see a little bit of the buying firsthand as well at a little 
from a little boutique here called by George, uh, where, yep. I, where I worked for, for some time as well. And so, yeah, that, that it really is, I, I mean, but to think about like Barney's and, and the, the mm-hmm. amount that they were buying and the clientele that they were purchasing for, like what sometimes we'll, we'll sit here and we we're like looking at like, you know, the, the, the Dior fashion show or whatever. And it's like, who, who's buying this or, or even, even further yeah. than that, like how, how does, how does like avant-garde brands like Rick Owens, like become as big and as wealthy as they yeah. are, right? Yeah, like yeah. how are there so many people that are out there buying that stuff? But, but they're there. They, yep. they exist. They're there's, out there. Yeah. There's, there's quite a market for it. And I think, um, you know, on the opposite end, like you had lots of brands that, that didn't quite make it through, you know, the collapse of, of what we now know as like retail, yeah. um, especially yeah. luxury retail. Like I, I don't know if you read the article last summer from the New York times with Scott Sternberg and, and, you know, the amount of effort he put into building band of outsiders and was sort of like at the pinnacle, like from a wholesale perspective, but yeah. then, you know, just slowly had to sort of bow out of that and, 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 and sell off the business. Yeah. Um, it, th- that whole, like that piece of, of the, the retail apocalypse, if you will, has been really, mm-hmm. really interesting. And I'm, my, my dad was just sending me an article about how like Nike's been doing that. Nike is pulling mm-hmm. out of all of their like old mom and pop shops and even like re you know, even places where, where Nike really grew and exploded, like the, like the big box sports stores. And they're just keeping a few of those around, but, there's yeah. like the the direct consumer business is that that's how you survive at this point. Yeah. And like some of these businesses, the 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 one that Nike always makes me think of whenever I read about Nike pulling out is uh on a much smaller scale, we've actually watched MA Lee on Door do that as well. Mm-hmm. Like several seasons ago, they were on you know, they were carried on forward and Mr. Porter and mm-hmm. like Goodhood and like a quite a few retailers, like select ones, good ones, but you could you know, if you miss something from from ALD's website or a drop, yep. it's a solid chance it would pop up somewhere else. Yep. And then I noticed that that started to really taper off raining, raining last, back last bit, season. Yeah. And now this season, I have not seen a single new item pop up anywhere. Yeah. And they might be out completely. Trying to just, yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly where they are, if they are selling anywhere at this point. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if the current season is is. is going to retailers at all i think yeah i I think i think there's like a a tapering off yeah and and like a conservative conservative approach you know when it comes to like selling to other people because again like i think referencing that piece from scott sternberg it was like man the amount of buyers who came in promising him business and promising him to be able to like fulfill orders and to like not have to put things on sale season after season and then like coming to him saying like we can't even pay you back after a certain point it's just like i think that scares a lot of brands i think if you're someone like i'm a like You've you've got to be pretty, uh, you've got to be pretty thoughtful about how you want to scale this thing because it's, yep. it's clear they're getting a lot of hype. But like, if you then try to take that and just shove it into all these different like retail doors, especially in a you know a bear like environment that we've seen in the last twelve months, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but, and I mean you just there there are a ton of other benefits as well. Just you, you're basically betting on yourself mm-hmm. instead of betting on on other businesses basically yeah man uh, See, i, I mean, to control the the image and the the marketing and the messaging and, and all of it so i think there was a there was a there was an error uh and like a hubris in the in the halls of barney's you know that i saw even in 2014 i think it was uh that like they're just they're they're too good to fail like yeah they're they're too big and and so um it was interesting watching that and having that as like the sort of backbone of my understanding of style and um, as I was in school, 
just sort of kicked off a blog um, on WordPress, or I think it was Squarespace, can't remember the other, but uh, kicked off a blog called Brothers in Craft um, with a few of my brothers. And the idea was sort of taking the things that we were learning about our own personal style and taste mm-hmm. and um, applying it to like a DIY approach, right? So we would talk about like, hey, if you're going to go to a, a vintage shop, like, and pick up an old like corduroy suit, like mm-hmm. here's how you go and talk to your tailor to help, you know, alter the pants and the right. jacket to, you know, your proper fitting. Or if you want to make your own tie like skinnier because, you know, you really like the fabric, yep. but it's too wide. Like we would we would talk about that sort of stuff. And uh, that was a really cool inflection point that we hit with the rise of Instagram. And it sort of amassed us this pretty big following. Uh, pretty quickly because obviously like the discoverability phase of Instagram and yes. like finding new accounts that you like. We were the, one of the first men's wear, men's style accounts like on the app. Okay. And uh, this was back in 2012. And so um, being able to sort of ride that that wave into, you know, the influencer movement that started popping in 2013, 14, like yep. we worked with GQ and just about every menswear brand out there. Um, and this was sort of back when it was like barter, like, hey, product for promotion, like, we'll, right. we'll give you product to then it was like, oh, we'll start paying you for stuff. Like, brands were actually allocating budgets towards this. And so that was sort of the first space where I was like, wow, this is just a blog. It was just for fun. But like, we can make some serious money off this. And yeah. like, we could grow it into a business. And so that's really what we did and spent the next few years into 2016 um, working on you know, the blog, turning it into a content creation business, having brands come to us and say, hey, um, shoot our next lookbook, film this next campaign, travel to this place and, you know, uh, capture whatever content you're creating. Like, we got to travel all over the world for it. Yeah. And um, got to go to fashion shows in London and Milan and Paris and, um, you know, Pitti and everything like that. And so that was a really cool era of like seeing what happened when blog turned into Instagram turned yeah. into, you know, something else. And so, um, so okay. So actually I, yeah. I just remembered the, the question. Like, so were you at pity for Barney's or for brothers and craft? So full circle, I was there for, I was there for brothers and craft. Okay. Yep. Cool. cool. Yep. But it was cool because it was like the, a lot of the buyers from Barney's, like when I interned at Barney's, yeah. Yeah. um, I saw them, but, but it was, I don't know. It was a full circle moment where it was like, I worked for these guys and then all of a sudden like yeah. I'm there on my own terms because the company's like paying me to be there. Yeah. And, uh, so Yeah. Uh, got to go to Pitti. That was an incredible experience. It's a place I I think about all the time. Of like, yeah. I, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, I just can't wait to do it. So, so what 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 was the uh, the end result of of Brothers and Craft? Is that is that still going? Brothers and Craft morphed into um, another startup project. Okay. with uh, you know my brothers and there was another business partner that got involved. Um, it sort of came to that point where it was like working with family was pretty challenging. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, I was in a I was hitting a spot in my own career. I was like, it's probably time to reinvent myself and, and yeah. work on something else. And so got into the tech space. And I think I like selling, selling your brand so much through Instagram and like the influencer movement for me, it personally burnt me out. And so I, yeah. I was really excited to go into a different industry because I was just really tired of having to like constantly promote shit. Yeah. And so I went to, uh, I went into the tech space and just sort of like closed the door on style and fashion for a, for a bit. And, and for me it was good cause it sort of brought me back into, um, remembering what I appreciate about style and in fashion and being in the menswear space. And so, you know, last uh, summer that's, that's sort of what, what segued into Spreza. Okay, cool. Um, you're, you're just, you, you're talking about brothers and craft and mm-hmm. like, like the DIY kind of angle that you guys were, were tackling there has, uh, I feel like with the, the kind of re the re-rise of vintage right now mm-hmm. uh, that, that, uh, that this is kind of coming back in a new, kind of in a new way. So not so much with the tailoring and the suiting anymore, but just like the, uh, the I've talked to several people just like DMs or, or wherever or like about how nice it would be to ta- to be able to do a little bit of that basic tailoring ourselves. I was totally. on, I was literally looking on Craigslist this morning just 
thinking about buying like a hundred dollar Singer sewing machine and seeing if I could figure out how to how to hem my own pants. I'm telling Man, that my 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 Ace Taylor. I'm I'm putting them on blast right now because I <laughs> I hadn't been there in in many many months. Where do you and go in here in Austin? It's the Ace. I like I like I have typically liked the Ace Taylor it's right here. Taylor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right here at, at three six. There's a bunch of them in the yep, in the yep. city, um, but it's the one right here at three sixty in Walsh Charlton, and um, the it was t- the twenty four fifty for a, re- a basic mm-hmm. hem. For a cut and a, and a reset, like basic, like no no original like, hem, nothing fancy. Damn, like, I'm gonna go broke if I keep on. Yeah, yeah, like it's, and and no, I get it. For anything more than that, I mean, like you're up to to thirty plus bucks yeah. basically. And I was like, God, how hard can this be? It's uh, yeah, <laughs> but it I mean, might be kind of hard. It it, it, it it does. It takes a minute. It takes a minute. I mean, I'm, you can yeah. you can learn it quick. Doesn't mean it'll look good, but yeah. like. So are you still? Are you like? If, if I'm a little rusty. That, I'm a little rusty. Okay. I, 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 uh, you I, also. I just feel like I all sold the my machine years know, ago. You're you're basically like you, you were in pity, and people were probably asking you to like just jump up on the runway. You you, <laughs> you you have the the fashion body. You're tall. You're probably like a perfect sample size. Um, I, uh, so I, I I feel like you're pulling stuff off the rack and being like, oh hey, this fits perfectly. What do you know? I did I did have that superpower, <laughs> but uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't good enough for runway stuff. I. <laughs> I did get photographed by Dan Roberts though when he was doing all the GQ streetwear uh, okay. stuff. I still have that picture. It's a pretty dope picture. Not not because you know I look good necessarily, but like uh, it was just like he, he's just really good. I think I think it was the best photographer that GQ ever hired for yeah. streetwear stuff. Like he did it for years. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but um, every season, every city, like he would just take the best moments to capture color and texture and movement yeah. and. Um, I mean, but, I think it, for anybody that's been following for 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 more than a few years, mm-hmm. especially if like when GQ was kind of at the peak of their powers during the whole right around hashtag menswear, and then and then yep. kind of right after it, um, I, like that's a bucket list item is is to be to be photographed for like a street style. It, yeah, it does editorial. come full circle. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, that was a fun moment. But yeah, like the tailoring stuff, I, I feel pretty rusty. It's been years since I've. You know, because I kept on moving around the last five years, yeah. and I was just like, I'm tired of lugging this yeah, damn hard, machine hard, around. Hard, I'm not like absolutely. using it that much, and totally. I think it was sort of in that period where it's like I don't own a house, and so it's just like easier to go to a tailor and be like, "Yep, yo, here's what I want," and yeah, learn how to talk to your tailor and getting what you want is good. So. Yeah, well, th- this recent price gouge has me like looking like at like the online tailors as well, and when I've you know I've I've used places like. Railcar, denim therapy, or Williamsburg oh, yeah, garment. Yeah. Uh, if if I need like a chain stitch on denim. And, um, you know, there's got to be somebody out there that's just doing simple hems. Denim's important, though. I think denim, you can't, you definitely can't skimp on. Um, but it is interesting, like, yeah, from a consumer perspective, um, you know, over the pandemic time frame, I've seen not just like consumers getting into these sorts of hobbies, but like brands as well pushing it. Like, if you, I don't know if you saw the Reese Cooper, yeah, you can with the chore code and yeah, the very cool stuff. Like, that was pretty cool. I'm sure there were a lot of people who fucked up the (laughs) the chore code, but like, I thought it was a really cool, uh, I don't know, it was a a really cool way to connect and bond with your customers. Um, also the guy from I think Brooklyn, Connor McKnight, uh, was stuck in his like Bushwick apartment or whatever and just started like sewing stuff and uh, literally produced his own clothing line out of just (laughs) hanging out in his and sewing stuff in his apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's, now he's got his own brand. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so far over the pandemic, I have, I have done some stuff, but it has been limited to raw hemming, which is the the easiest of all the, all the DIYs. (laughs) Um, well, let's talk about, so you, you, uh, you grew up in the South you lived in Brooklyn for a few years. You've been in Austin for the better part of a year mm-hmm. now. I mean, like, what, what, 
was there some culture shock coming down to Austin and being like, oh, hey, nobody um, dresses like anybody in New York. <laughs> like there is absolutely not that that uh, that imperative yeah. to like, oh, I'm going out to walk down the street. Like I better like put myself together and mm. and 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 look sharp or, or present some semblance of individuality or, or expression of my style. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's what we, we kind of, when we first uh, sat down to, to talk, we, we joked about like the, the cliche of New York being like, you know, this quote unquote energy. And I, you know, it's, yeah. it is so cliche, but it is also so accurate. Just the fact that, that everybody there is uh, just kind of like, there's just like a style buzz there when you're walking down the street that, that you don't really get too many other places. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's hard to replicate that energy uh, anywhere outside of New York. Yep. But being here, uh, no, not a culture shock. I think it was. It's fun to see different cities and how they engage with style or how they embrace their own styles. And I think Austin, and I would even say that like Nashville feels akin yeah. to you know Austin in terms of style and totally. like appreciation a a, for style. You know, kind of like a western There's edge this, yeah, it. like yeah. edge of like what, southwestern yeah. flair, like wild west, lots of denim, um, the boots, like, and I would say even even brands like Tacovas here mm-hmm. in Austin and obviously like being at Haller Bros and stuff. Like, yep. There's just those brands that have this like very unique or this distinct style to them. Totally. And uh, that's kind of like what I noticed. So yeah, like you've seen cowboy boots or people hanging. I was even like waiting in line uh, for something the other day and just like a handful of dudes like walked up one guy with like a canvas chore coat and the other guy with like a pair of overalls and like a Carhartt okay. you know hoodie over top and I was like this is kind of dope but yeah, like this yeah. feels this feels like Austin to me yeah 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 you you uh you reside on on the east side which mm-hmm. is I think where you'll see you know the the biggest concentration of 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 something that is totally. a simulacrum for like the style that you would see yeah. in Brooklyn or New York yeah, and I think even just adjusting to the style of Austin has been kind of fun. Like, you know, seeing even just spring and summer and being able to play with, like, linens and, yeah. uh, you know, Birkenstocks. I mean, rocking Birkenstocks with socks right now, yeah. but they're just so comfy. I can't not. <laughs> um, even seeing, yeah, a lot of chinos and raw denim, too. You know, minus the snowpocalypse, of course, but right, like right. to the winter, right? Like being able to, like, bundle up and layer and wear some wool and... yeah. yeah. Um, some raw denim there cowboy boots i got a pair of suede like fry boots that i like break yeah. out in the in the winter and those things are badass yeah yeah it, it, the the the, the kind of i mean western is another thing that i think we've seen kind of like bubbling yeah. up even in you know in mainstream fashion or designer fashion or contemporary and so it's definitely it's it's fun to kind of like have some authenticity to it here totally as well um so yeah it's uh it's definitely different uh, but it you know, you haven't gone full like, oh, I can wear sweatpants and flip-flops every day. <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> yeah. we've, done, we've done enough of that, so. <laughs> yeah. Trying to feel yeah. like a human, you know, at least a few days a, a few days a week. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, and then you you might be, be headed out west pretty soon as well, right? That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah, so, so spent, yeah, the you're year. You're going to have a little bit, you're going to have it all. You're going to have, you're collecting the, um, the, uh. The, the 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 gemstones the what are they called Randy what are the, or what the Thanos is I'm botching this reference man infinity, infinity stones yes infinity thank stones. you you're, you're right. collecting the infinity stones of <laughs> of, uh, of stylish places there's <laughs> there, well you know there's few there's few moments where you can do that kind of stuff and so yeah. I think uh you know obviously it was nice to to stay put and was you know in a fun house here in Austin but being able to sort of move on and experience the Southwest and be on the road and 
see regions where, frankly, it's like it's a destination. It's not somewhere that you're just like, oh, I'm just passing through. I'll just pass through like the desert and hang yeah, out in yeah. Joshua Tree. Like you're, you're you're planning to go to Joshua Tree or Palm Springs or Sedona or the Grand Canyon because you're headed somewhere else. And and, yeah. and so I think I think you know this summer. My wife and I will take that trip and we'll start in Santa Fe. The plan is to do Santa Fe and Albuquerque and, you know, bop up to Sedona and the Grand Canyon and, yeah. uh, and then potentially either Joshua Tree or Palm Springs. We haven't decided yet, but, okay. but then we'll probably settle, um, in LA for yeah. about, about a month and, and see what that's like. And if we like it, we'll stay. If, if not, we'll probably turn our ass back around and like, <laughs> <laughs> be like, let's go back to Brooklyn or something yeah. like that. But yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that's, that's a good place to segue because I can tell just from like reading your stuff and, mm. and talking to you that that travel is like a big part of of your kind of your spin on style and fashion. Um, 100%, and it, yeah. it's, it's something that has has obviously been uh, very difficult, if not impossible over the last year. So when you know when you when you're gearing up to go on this road trip or even thinking about like revisiting a place mm-hmm. uh, like Italy, like. I don't know. Do you think that you think that there will be what what will have changed? What will have stayed the same? What what are you kind of anticipating as far as? And I don't mean just like the fact that like people might still be wearing masks, mm-hmm. but but do you think that the vibe or the energy or like the 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 priorities will be any different in those travels? Man, good question. I think in terms of priorities for international travel, like that's super high on my list. Yeah, uh, I I obviously enjoy being in the U.S., but uh, you know, some places that I love going to and have already been to, um, you know, everything from Portugal to Turkey to, you know, places that are on the bucket list, like Albania and Croatia, which I, I think a lot of people don't consider those as like high sure. on their list. They yeah. always think about like, if I'm going to go to the Mediterranean, I want to hang out, you know, on the Amalfi coast in Italy. I mean, I've seen some videos from Croatia yacht week. So, mm-hmm. so it, yeah. I, I, you know, that looks tight. <laughs> Land and split and, and, you know, grab a car and just like drive down the coast, which yeah, I think yeah. is uh, like for me, that that's that's where I want to be is just somewhere pretty distant, far off. Grab a little house or a villa like on the water and just like hang out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, I think that's yeah, that that's kind of like what's on my mind. I think ev- eventually like city related travel, like mm-hmm. being heavy in a city and like exploring day to day life. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, you know, places that I enjoy doing that are like. Istanbul or like London or Paris or even Amsterdam is like Amsterdam is one of my favorite cities just like hopping on a bike and riding through the canals I don't know if you've done that before I've but not, like no no beautiful um, beautiful place and I think uh, uh, I'm with you I mean international travel is certainly like it was it was basically like ripped away from us so mm-hmm. much so that even if it, even if it wasn't something that you were super interested in I feel like a lot of people are gonna are going to be like I think you realize how easily it, it it could be kind of taken away because even you know even under the under the pandemic you can still hop in a car and like drive to Marfa, drive to L.A., right, yeah. like you know drive up to Colorado if you want to. Like you could, you can get around in a car and 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 by by um, you know, more private, arguably safer means of transportation to, totally. to get around if you want to. But I think also what what you were kind of hitting on uh, when you just kind of like painted your picture, there does vibe with something that i've been thinking about recently which is just like and you kind of did a good comparison where it's like it's it's like exploratory travel versus like city travel Mm -hmm. and i've always been a big city guy like i love exploring cities i love going to chicago and like making you know six reservations and seeing shows in new york and like shopping in la or like you know what i mean like basically 
doing all of the things that I like to do, but in places that offer variations on it and 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 have like yeah. their their individual things. But what I'm looking more towards is like just the smaller pleasures of like being able to go somewhere where you're completely like out of your element. Yeah, and I would say like in the states, well, not because I think this is necessarily safe, but like I think you know as people get vaccinated, you know, and the majority of the country feels a, a bit more safe to travel freely. I think like cities will will be pretty open. Like we've yeah. already seen this with like Tampa and Miami and Florida, for instance, sure. or even like people coming in droves to Austin, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, DFW area, like in Texas, and I think uh i think that will that will be like pretty popular among people already in the states now if you're talking like across the pond and like you want to go to europe like obviously it's completely dependent on like what the eu wants to do with like nah we're not gonna let you in this time or you can just go back you can just go back home but like (laughs) if you if you already have an in you know and yeah have your passport or you know your special vaccine card that you can get in i think like what I think will be more popular in other countries, especially in like Western Europe, is that people will probably take vacations mm-hmm. to like more remote spots. Like I'm just gonna go hang out on the beach or I'm gonna grab yeah. a cottage, you know, outside of like Western Ireland. Yeah. Rather than being like, No, I'm gonna go like party in London exactly. or like Amsterdam. Totally. Like that'll take yep. a while, I think, you yep. know, for, for things to pop back up. But And I mean, even even when that stuff is available and trust me, like I miss that. Like I miss being in totally. like tightly little packed dive bars and like drinking with friends. But at the same time, like the the, the yeah, I just want something a little bit more uh like a little saltier like i don't know if it's mm-hmm. just like reflective of my mental state feeling tattered after this year but i just want to be like you know like kind of windblown and salty and sip and, a marg on the beach yeah you know? yeah really kind of gr- like i don't know my, my my daydreams right now are are grungier than they were <laughs> 18 months ago when it was like just about like Oh man, I'm gonna wear that leather jacket to that dinner and it's gonna be tight yep now it's a little bit just more like I just want to like, you know, bask in some some saltiness and nothing and, wrong uh, with that, and not shower for twenty four hours. I don't know, I don't I don't that. know what that's saying about me, but but it's definitely like a it's definitely a shift. It means you're a man of taste. <laughs> um, it's, well, speaking of taste in Italy, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Amaro. It's definitely something that I feel like is uh, is uh, I, I don't know if trendy is the right word, but it's mm. it, but people that are you know if you follow along with like Bon Appetit or or, or some of our the, the content out there that is specifically about whining and dining like mm-hmm. this seems to be like a like a kind of a, a an in the know thing mm. i read your your piece on it yep. uh and i'm i am uh i i think my my loose experience with amaro is uh with fernet uh, so i spent got a bottle that's, of that that's here what you brought. I, brought, I brought some okay. for us to, to taste test so um my i i spent a few months Right after college, or, or right towards the end of college, in Argentina over a summer, yep, where Fernet was very big, uh, and then there was there used to be this little restaurant uh, here in Austin called Windflow, mm-hmm. which did a, it was called a a, a Fernet Mule, and it was it was like Ooh. a, it was basically like a Moscow Mule with like a Fernet, and it was it's it sounds intense. It's it was, but it was if you liked the 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 flavor of it, you would. I think you would have really dug it. Um, Can I pour you some? Please, please. I'll, t- I'll take a I splash. Think this is the cup, right? That's my cup. Yeah, yeah. A little master's cup for us. There we go. Coming up in a couple weeks. Um, so is this is is this again something that you kind of like picked up on 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 from from traveling? Yeah. Yes. Yes, and no. Uh, like the first and time. What, I... what am I missing out on? What is this? What are, what well, are we, so, what are we doing here? What's so Amaro? What's the... Yeah, Amaro is. Uh, 
is sort of an I call it an ancient herbal liqueur. I mean, it is an is a herbal liqueur that you know derives its origins from Europe as best we know, right? And specifically Italy, right? So it's it's deeply embedded into food culture of Italy. And if you're familiar, obviously, with things like aperitif or aperitivo hour, right? Mm -hmm, Like you mm -hmm. go to a bar and it's like, hey, from four to five, we're going to have, you know, an Aperol spritz and some like light snacks, some charcuterie or whatever. That's, that's where that comes from, right? It's like, it's, it's something that you have before dinner or after dinner, right? Okay. And people always use the word like digestif or digestive, something that you have to like settle the stomach after you know, a heavy meal, it like cuts through and like balances the palate out. Like, so you've just had a ton of pasta and bread and meats and whatever. And, you know, you, you sip some of this Amaro like post dinner before you have your dessert. Cause you want to like okay. sort of rebalance the palate. <laughs> like that's the idea with Amaro. Gotcha, and gotcha. like for me, first time I ever fell in love with Amaro was at this restaurant in Brooklyn. I think it was June wine bar, I think. And we had finished up our dinner and the maitre d had walked over and said, you know, well, she didn't even say anything. She just walked over with a, a bunch of shots of, <laughs> of Fernet, and we all just we all just shot them together, and it was an awesome experience. But like, it just it it felt good. So I associate Amara with like ritual, something that yeah. you have together with people. It's like you had a nice dinner with your friends or family over, and like everybody just grabs a glass afterwards, and it's just mm-hmm. like it's a fun thing to sort of sip on and drink. And so, what um, what, are you, what are you serving Amaro in typically? Like we're like I said, we're here in the studio. I've got a uh, Masters twenty twenty <laughs> plastic cup. You've got uh, was it a Yeti? Some kind of some Yeti, type of yeah. uh, aluminum, you know, uh, drink canister. This th- can't be the uh, the ideal way to just, uh, to serve post dinner. Not 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 the proper way, probably. But uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of like fun little like flutes or glasses that you can okay. you know glassware that you can purchase uh, to like well, like i'm what i'm thinking about is limoncello is that one is that a is that similar, a similar yeah like, yeah okay yeah so and that's like they, similar ritualistically like having limoncello after mm-hmm. you know dinner or you know even before is like is fine but i think yeah like amaro there's different like there's sorts of different types of amaro so like if you've you know you're familiar with aperol or campari or uh fernet like fernet branca is like a the really popular bottle that like bartenders love to yeah. Yeah, to shoot at the end of the night, or polish off a bottle with when no one's around, or like you've seen Amaro Montenegro or Sonar, um, which are more the darker color ones. So there's different colors and, are, and are styles we, of I mean, them. I just took a sip of this. It's it's nice. It's very it is um, herbal. It definitely has that like fernet like kind of licorice vibe. Is that mm-hmm. that's that's what it typically is is kind of associated with? Yeah, like the herbs and the spices are pretty uh-huh. strong in this one. I forgot sort of what it tasted like, but, but um, this is Faccio Bruto. It's like a yeah, actually, the Italian word for facci brutto means ugly face. Okay. <laughs> so if you can see from the yeah the bottle, it's a pretty ugly face on there. That's we were just I mean, we were just having this conversation about how like like uh, last week we were talking about Phil's big wine guy. Okay. I kind of like everything. I like making cocktails, drinking wine. I yep. love craft beer. Like, j- give me anything. I guess um, I'm not not super particular. And we were talking about how like just la- the label game is people have, have really taken to that, whether it's craft breweries or a little natural wine. I'm a sucker for that, man. Right. I'll like, choose shit just by the label. I mean, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and this, I'm proud of that. This Faccio Bruto is, that's a very cool one. Like that typeface yeah. is really badass. Yep. Um, that's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty bottle to have like on your bar cart for sure. It's uh, a, yeah. It's a fun thing to, a fun thing to flex on. And I think like, again, just like going back to the ritual aspect of it, like being able to serve people and feel like you're taking care of them, like yeah. comes back to like the, ritual of having them around and sipping something together. Um, and I mean, you've, yeah, if you don't think you've had a Mario, you probably have, if you had like a Negroni or a Boulevardier or again, Aperol spritz or something like that. Um, there's a Mario in all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you, you I think you've used the word shoot. Uh, like, are, are are you typically kind of like taking it like a shot? Or? Some people shoot it. Yeah, depends on like what I'm drinking and who I'm with. But okay. but sipping is okay. Sipping's too. cool too. Yeah. Um, speaking of booze, are are you? Uh, we get a lot of questions about like transitioning into mm. into spring summer seasonality seasonality. Yep. Um, one is there any type of seasonality with with the Samaro type stuff? Mm-hmm. Past that, what are you uh, like on, on you know in your uh, what are you drinking with dinner? What are you drinking uh, when you get home from work? Like, what's your kind of like spring yeah. cocktail? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> or beer or or, or wine yeah. or whatever. I love, I love a good drink. So I, I, I split it up by seasons. If I'm like going spring summer, uh, being being here in Austin, actually, I've gotten I've gotten pretty heavy into um, to ciders. Okay, yeah, really love cider. Like, the, I think the if you bought if you bought from um, you know like a local shop that has like Son of Man that cider. Uh, is a really popping one. Um, Fairweather Cider Co. is also a pretty a pretty great. Uh, I don't think it's local. I think it's from Oregon or something, but they sell a ton in Austin. Okay. So those are two that I really dig for spring and summer. It just feels like nice and bubbly and yeah. like uh, I don't just love the taste. Kolsch, I love a good Kolsch in the in the spring or summer. Um, big on natty wine, honestly. I've been going. Okay, yeah, we were, yeah, we were we just did. We did our. Na- <laughs> you should have been here last week. We should have t- talked natural wine with you. Yeah. Oh, for real. Okay. We, we talked. Yeah, that was. So you a, can that educate was our, me our, more. Our than... big. No, I can't. Phil, Phil uh, tried to. Um, <laughs> Phil's a natty wine guy. He's yeah. He's he he's more knowledge. He's our wine expert. Okay. Um, and he would probably tell you that he's not an expert, but he's definitely more than us. More knowledgeable than uh, than I am. I, I don't know about yeah. you, but he, we we did talk about natural wines a little bit. Just about how how they're they can be kind of polarizing because of like how fu- how funky they can mm-hmm. be, and I really don't have I don't have much experience with them at all. In fact, I need to I'm gonna, I'm getting Phil to like put me together like a little like here's four to start with, you know, just so I can kind of experience starter like kit. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's helpful. Yeah, I I I know what importers to buy from. So a lot what a lot of people in the natural wine space will say is. Uh, if you're shopping an American shop and the importers from Europe, like here's the names of the importers because okay. you can just sort of, I mean, same same thing with anything else. It's like by the importer, you can trust the brand association of like, we know that whatever they're importing is going to like be of quality, sure. right? So I think there's some called like Fifi or um, I don't know. I have to look for a bunch, but there's, there's, there's all kinds of like great importers. And so if you know okay. the importers, then you know that bottle is going to come like in good company and um, so that's how I sort of pick it out in terms of like the regions and the taste or like the levels of, you know, of taste associated with the bottles. I have no idea how to pick that shit, but yeah. like, uh, but I do enjoy natty wine. So, okay. you know, um, the darker, the more juice type, the orange, like skin contacts, like there's all kinds. And yeah, I love drinking that year around, um, ranch water. Honestly, I've, I've become a huge ranch water fan this is, summer. Is that something that, that kind of, that Austin puts you on to? They definitely did, yeah. 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 That's like that's it was White our... Claw before that, but I think yeah. like yeah. there's a lot more of a regional focus of like repping your hometown, like yeah. uh, seltzer. And I think that's gonna become more of a thing, right? <laughs> and so here, yeah, like Ranch Water, man, I, I I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I feel like it's definitely the the city's signature drink, and it has become it's become far more mm. prevalent. Like I'm I'm pretty sure I I pulled up a GQ article last year, last summer about like this is the summer cocktail that you should be drinking. And like you just mentioned with the seltzers, now there are lots of seltzers doing a ranch water flavor. So it's, it's certainly become more popular, but it's, it's, um, it's popular for a reason. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically like a super skinny margarita and it's, it's perfect for, for our warmer, our warmer weathered here in central Texas. Um, 
Yeah, spring and summer are nice for that for that type of stuff. I also just tried one called Zaddies. They're only selling in California, but they sent me some stuff, and I just I fell in love with it, man. It's like yeah. gin based stuff. They got like fennel and like ginger and okay. like all kinds of crazy natural <laughs> very flavorings. Gourmet, very gourmet. Falls though are like I mean you're probably like this too with beers. I get really into brown ales and stouts and stuff like that. Yeah. Even for Amaro, there's um there's this Amaro called Noncino. Mm-hmm. It's also really really great for like cold nights just had like a nice like hearty dinner and stuff like that so yeah. i definitely have the seasonality to it yeah i, I was i, I was just kind of like thinking about about this question i was like putting our notes together for the for the pie today and um yeah i just I, I started to realize like i don't i'm not really i don't love like spring seasonal craft beers that much mm. i feel like they get too floral too um feel that. too like a little too hoppy but like Give me a winter warmer or a, or a brown ale 100%. or like something a little like more caramelly and malty and like that's that's the seasonal stuff I like when uh, when spring rolls around like I'm right now like I, there's a I really like like a hazy pale ale or um, yep. or just like a straight up pale like an APA an American pale ale more so than a than an IPA. What are your go tos in Austin for for breweries? So Saint Elmo is probably my is probably my favorite and, yep. my, and my my go to. Um, but, and then, uh, recently I checked out a family business out in Dripping Springs, which is kind of a trek, but was also okay. very cool. Uh, Jester King is the OG. Jester King is awesome. And then like right in your hood, I mm. mean, Lazarus and yep. Soaker are yep. pretty, pretty cool too. Yep. So some good we, ones. We got a lot. We got a lot no, to choose No from. shortage. No shortage here. Absolutely not. Um, Okay. One more thing here before we jump into like some spring style fashion stuff. Uh, another thing that I I picked up on from your newsletter. By the way, where where should everybody go to to, to subscribe and follow? Oh Spreza? yeah, it's it's Spreza XYZ. So S P R E Z Z A dot XYZ. Okay, all right. It's very easy to sign up. Spreza XYZ. Just throw in your email address. You've been. I got to okay. say, how is how has it been? You seem very consistent. In putting these things out and that's i just want to give you some props for that because it's not easy thank you staying on a schedule is i think arguably the hardest thing about producing content yeah and i think it's a reflection of the fact that i enjoy it yeah. right yeah. because i mean it's hard as hell to stay consistent with anything but yeah. when you when you enjoy it i think that's a that's a, a very telling yeah uh it's a very telling thing so for me i yeah it's something i enjoy and i you know even if i don't feel like it like my goal with the newsletter has always just been like just keep writing just keep writing stuff keep putting things out there the stuff that you think people won't give a shit about people like the most yeah, and the just, stuff yeah, that you over engineer like yeah. people don't really care about and yeah. um so there's there's <laughs> not there's not necessary like a formula in that sense but i think the more consistent you are the more people then compartmentalize you in their brain mm-hmm. like totally clayton equals spreza right he's associated with spreza and, and therefore whenever i think of something that reminds me of spreza i think of clayton and vice versa and yeah so the consistency piece i think is yeah probably the biggest yeah biggest part uh well this last thing that i wanted to, to ask you about specifically is you did a little piece on cast iron <laughs> and Love uh, cast irons. yeah yeah well so first why and two how <laughs> um this is i, I am I am decidedly not a cast iron guy. I cannot figure out it's a shame. how to clean it. We can help with that. It, we get- I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe it. Every, I do like the the hot water. I get the pan hot, and then I do the hot water at the same time, and yep. then I put the hot pan on the hot water. 
I, I, it's too much trouble. What, what are we doing? What's, well, what's the? What is the? Do you have secrets? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Does my cast yeah. iron just suck? It's not. It's not rocket science. Your cast iron definitely might suck. Okay, but it. Uh, I mean, it's like a lodge or something. It's not like a. It, that's that's why. Yeah. Okay. Is that a lodge? That, that's. No offense to anyone who has a lodge listening, but it's very, that's like lodges mainstream. aren't great. Lodges lodges are like the go to, right? It's the right, starter. It's, it's the starter okay. cast iron that you get. Like you can get okay. it on Amazon. There's nothing unique about it. It's not made with quality the same way that other brands are. Okay. Um, but cast irons, I I've been using cast irons for forever, and I cook everything on cast iron. Like I make apple. You, are you not setting setting off the smoke d- detector? So, like, sometimes, all the time? yeah. If yeah. I put the heat on too high, <laughs> time and temperature. That's my. That's like I think a chef's. Uh-huh. recommendation is like everything just needs to be cooked with the proper time and like at the right temperature because right. you can't like throw it on high um low to medium heat my wife always gets pissed at me because if she's like cooking something i'd be like nah you can't throw it up to a six you got to put it back to like three <laughs> or four and she'll be like don't tell me how to cook and i'm like just saying like cast irons are, are my thing though I, I mean obviously everything from like bacon and meats um smoked steaks and cooked burgers on them too roasting veggies and shit like okay. It's just fun. It's something I enjoy. And I think the cleaning aspects to it is a lot simpler, simpler than you think. It just sort of comes down to um, giving it some some proper elbow grease. Um, I have these little scrapers. I don't remember the, what the name of the brand is. You can grab them on Amazon or um, even if you have like a sort of metal. There's just little plastic ones. Yeah, the yeah, little I've, like I've, plastic ones. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of those. They, they, they are helpful when they, I have endeavored yeah. to, um, to clean the thing. So, I mean, the trick is you just let it sit for a minute. Just throw some warm water on it. Let it yeah. sit for a minute. And if there's a bunch of crap on it, like, wait, you know, two or three minutes and then just start scraping it off. And, like, for me, like, if you take care of it from the beginning like that, that is uh, – that's going to help it last longer. There's also, like, breaking in the cast iron when you mm-hmm. buy it. So, depending on, like, what the instructions are for the per- like the brand you buy it from, two great brands that I – uh, really enjoy one that I own is um, it's called Smithy. They're out of Charleston, and they hand make all their cast irons. Like it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Okay. And so Smithy's a great brand. Um, they make them in different sizes. Uh, and then there's Butterpat, which is also another really cool brand. Uh, a lot of chefs use Butterpat for like cooking, cooking at home and stuff. But yeah, it's all about like cleaning it well and taking care of it, breaking yeah, I, it in. I, I do feel like if you get a cast iron and you like if you if you botch it. On your first couple of cooks, <laughs> like if you use soap or if you don't like reseason it with the oil don't right after, like that's if you if you make one of these errors, I feel like it's impossible to to, <laughs> to like cl- climb out of that hole with the cast iron. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not, I've never screwed it up like that, so <laughs> I don't know what the dark side looks like. But uh, but yeah, take care of it. You'll be all right. I can yeah. I can give you a, a lesson one of these days. You well, you just I mean. Let's get a uh, let's get a cast iron cooking uh, reel from you. Down, it's, that'll it's, be my first reel. I haven't done yeah, one yet. Yeah, so. you gotta you gotta you gotta make the most of your of your first reel. Everybody knows that. Um, okay, so I, I'm I'm bringing up a random thing that I pulled up here mm-hmm. in, in connection to the uh, to the cast iron, and you know you spent some time in in New York, obviously one of the food mm-hmm. capitals of the world, as as well as one of the um, style capitals of the world. And uh, I was reading this uh, this article about this pizza in New York, and this guy named Gabriel, come on, load up here, Gabriel Lamanaka. Mm-hmm. He uh, he has a site called unregularpizza.com, and you have to request a pizza from him. This is apparently the best pizza in New York City. Every, every by, by the way, everybody, you cannot pay for this pizza. <laughs> you have to you have to schedule it. 
and then you have to submit an email or your request, and you have to say what you're going to trade. Oh no, food wise for oh, the food for, wise. for the pizza. Okay, you got to bring you have to bring him something in exchange for for the pizza. Um, <laughs> I already know what I'd, I'd trade. Yeah. So one, I love. I just love this. I love. It's very. Uh, this feels like something off of Portlandia. Like the hottest food 100%. in the city, you can't even you can't purchase it. You have travel to there like you it's, have to it's cook the mecca it. journey. You have to cook then... for the best food in the city. Like I just, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's such a flip, and I, like yeah. I, I dig it though. It's it's very. I never heard of this dude. I never heard yeah, of this dude. Yeah. But I, um, I would totally make some food for him. And okay, so it. what? So you're sending this guy an email. You're like, I want my Friday night pizza, and here's what I'm going to cook for you. What are what are you offering uh, in exchange would... for for this pie for this pizza pie? Shit, I would probably. So my wife's Lebanese, and she taught me how to make Lebanese food because she knows how to make Lebanese food. Okay. And so I'd, I'd probably just make him a nice platter of like Lebanese stuff, like lamb kebabs and hummus and pita, and you know, tabbouleh salad. And I guess for dessert, I'd probably cook him up some like baklava, which is like okay, nice popular like uh, Middle yeah, Eastern yeah. treat, right? Totally. That's what I would do. Okay. Sounds ex- excessive, but like if it's the best pizza, you gotta you gotta go. Gotta bring the, your A game. Yeah, you do have to bring your A game. Um, what would you do? Man, I, I put this question down for you, and then I and then I didn't take time to to, <laughs> to think about it myself. Don't screw it up. You only got one <laughs> shot. Um. So, man, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Lebanese. I my, the last time I'm, my parents came uh, in town. Uh, just a, about a month ago, they 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 got fully vaxxed and and they came and, mm. and and hung out and celebrated with us. And I I actually cooked like something that like pretty that had a pretty Mediterranean All Lebanese right. Right. spin on it. But but I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna just piggyback on on that answer because that's boring. Um, I I think that I would uh, I would offer a, probably a pasta dish. Okay. And this guy he's ma- he's making pizza. Yeah. What, but that doesn't mean that he is making great pasta. And I feel like I, I I can really really nail like either a carbonara or a cacio e pepe. If that's your competitive advantage, I say. And so I that, say go that for that's it. where I'm going. And it's, oh, I yeah. feel like it's hard to turn down too. Like who doesn't want like a pasta with like bacon, egg, and cheese mixed in? Basically, honestly, yeah, I would. I'd take it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe you can make that for me. Uh, okay, well, I, I, I can't we'll, promise we'll, you. We'll, pizza do our, we'll do our own barter. We'll do our there own we barter. Go. We'll do our own trade, and we'll uh, we'll, love we'll, that. we'll kick off this trend. Uh, this trend here. Hell in Austin. yeah. Um, okay, are you ready to jump into to some style stuff? Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I, you you kind of do your like your like weekend uh right you you do a drop on Spreza typically or you send out Tuesday Friday is that right twice a week twice for a now week. yep yep so your weekend one is kind of like here's all the stuff that I've been paying attention mm-hmm. to. And uh, and so uh, it, you you you've had a recent one that's kind of like your your five brands to pay attention to. Mm. We can talk about those uh, or five brands. Let me get this right. Five brands that are kind of on the rise in the U.S. Yep. And then give us a give us a sneak peek of of what's what's coming from you Friday. What's what's some stuff that you're paying attention to this week, uh, and what what should we know about? Yeah, like the the Tuesday piece is usually more of, uh, I would say like an educational, inspirational. Yeah, piece. So it, it dives into either a person or a topic or a product or a kind of idea around men's style, and those those tend to be sort of medium to longer form uh, in length. 
and it's sort of for your own reading at, at, at leisure, but the idea is that you sort of walk away with something that... Sorry. You're, you're right there, Barrett? I think we're losing this guy. <coughs> oh, man. Down the wrong pipe. Yes. Very embarrassing. Not professional. <laughs> I'm over here trying to... <coughs> Hold that thought. Drink uh, drink my water quietly, and this is uh, this is what you get. Sorry, everybody. You okay. Need, you need more Fournette. Clearly. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. That's that's what the Tuesday piece is for, and uh, the Friday piece is really a lot more sort of on on the fly. Like I, I collect a lot of shit on the internet every week, and I want to be able to uh, package it up in a way that's easy for people to read. Yeah. You know, on their own terms and time, and so uh, that happens on Fridays, and you know, it'll be stuff that I find on on you know other blogs or um, you know I like promoting other other newsletters and blogs. I just think that's a great sort of model. There's a lot of stuff we can learn from other people and. So love love sharing those links and articles or ideas. Um, Instagram is also a big place of discovery for me, which is sort of, yeah, it's like I think the way that Instagram has like managed that over the years has been pretty good. Um, it's a great place to find sort of, you know, interesting content, you know, that we probably thought, you know, Pinterest would have been able to do better on, but I, I don't really use Pinterest that much. And um, so I pull a lot of really cool stuff from from Instagram. Um, a lot of the cool stuff I've been finding lately, and this is sort of like ad targeting focused, but also just stuff I've been finding through scrolling through the newsfeed is, mm-hmm. uh, is a lot of vintage stuff. Like I find these crazy vintage accounts that yeah. sell the coolest shit that I've seen in a long time. And uh, like, I, I, I think I'll probably do a piece at some point on like, hey, if you're going to like buy vintage online, like here's like the top 10 accounts to follow sure. and buy yeah. from because yeah. it's just, it's ridiculous. So I, I share a lot of that type of stuff. Um, like I think that the last piece, I'll just pull it up here, that I covered is like um, the new like Nike undercover sneaker. Like it's 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 a wide range of like men's style, right? I don't like just to focus on like being a dandy or being a sneakerhead or like one specific thing. I like to cover right. it holistically. But um, you know, there's a new brand um, that popped out as well uh, over the last couple of years called Wife. I think the founder's from Austin, Peter Middleton. Uh, just covered him in um, the five menswear brands to watch right yeah, now. That, but that's definitely. Uh... Your 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 list here of your five um, has a, a couple that we've that we've talked about on the podcast oh, yeah. uh, or on the Discord. Some others that that we haven't mentioned, but are, are certainly um, you know kind of adjacent. And then a couple that, uh, that yep. uh, I'm not super familiar with that that you can, uh, or at least one that I'll let you tell me about. Sure, but, yeah. but Wythe for sure is uh, definitely the kind of like. I'll, I, <clears throat> Everybody knows about the moleskin shirt, mm-hmm. the moleskin pearl snap from 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 last fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really just kind of like, I don't know, kind of proof that like doing one piece really really well can can start a brand, yep. right? Essentially, one hundred percent. And then they've kind of uh, they, they they have that western edge that we were talking about, so they, they do. do really fit nicely uh, for for Austin style. It kind of has that like. This is this is cool, awesome, fashionable stuff, but mm-hmm. it also works for uh, for our, our Central Texas wardrobes. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question a little bit about some of the stuff that I've seen in their in their latest lookbook. Mm. Here's my question: What how, what how do we feel about stuff about like faux places and things and events? In contemporary fashion, um, another brand that we briefly mentioned is Reese Cooper, and mm. I really like them. I really like his, I really like his stuff. 
the, and there, there's there's stuff that I'm always torn on from him, which mm-hmm. is like a great looking corduroy cap. It's got his logo on it, and then it's like RCI Hunting Division. Well, what well what is Reese Cooper Hunting Division? <laughs> like that's it's not a hunting brand. Yeah. There, that does on that does not actually exist. And so, like, I like this idea, and we we you know this is it, it's I don't know. It's always something that I'm kind of interested that I'm that I that I think yeah. about. Wythe is doing this like camp friendly pines thing. Yep, and they've got. You know, merch basically their graphic kind of in this season on hats and 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 crews and tees. It looks like will will be like camp friendly pines. It's not a real place. <laughs> so what I don't know what's what's your do do you get down with that type of stuff or do you think it's like I think does it veer into like a gimmick a little bit? Uh, yeah. Part of it's instinctual to me. I, if I if I if I come across and it just doesn't like sit the right way in my gut, like. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but I don't have any like, strong reaction one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I think I do. I do see what you're saying. There's definitely brands that do, you know, these sort of gimmicky, you know, taglines or mottos around uh, their brands, one way or the other. And I, I don't have a strong reaction either way. But if if I saw it and felt, you know, in yeah. the moment, like I would, you know, that would be that. But I would say like a lot of brands are trying to sort of like build their narrative as an independent brand around a specific topic. And so I think for someone like Reese, you know, that is being outdoors for wife. It is like Americana for, you know, ALD. I think it's basketball for like this basketball, like grew up in the Bronx, like born and bred in Queens sort of culture for rugby, like for rugby shirts and rowing blazers, like, we know what that's about. Like yep. it's like these very specific things. Even like the other brand I covered here, Surface Dead. Like all their shit just like collides into this like main theme of like reviving surf culture around this like experimental psychedelic, you know, whatever. So I think like I do appreciate that brands take a specific stand on you know totally. this theme within their brand, and you can see the common thread season after season. But I think what makes or bake breaks the brand in the long run is whether they can sort of expand beyond. I had a conversation with a friend about Reese Cooper stuff recently. And that's the same sort of gripe is that like, great, like 12 seasons later, if Reese is still doing the outdoor shit and saying like, this is the hunting club, mm-hmm. like when are you going to graduate from that? Right. Yeah, and when yeah. are you going to move on from it? And, and how, how do they evolve with the times? And I think that's, that's sort of the bigger question that I think about when I'm looking at a brand. And, and so like these five brands that I talked about in my newsletter yesterday, um, the five were corridor, bare knuckles, Surface Dead, Wife, and uh, Stofa. I think these are these are five brands that I think have the ability to evolve past just like being kind of in their small circle. That's actually that's actually what I really loved about ALD. Although I have kind of like my own concerns about ALD as a brand at this point. They get a lot of hype. Yep. But um, what I thought ALD was going to be early on was just sort of this brand that wrote off the hype of being associated with Kith. Okay. And for sneakerheads, and I think like going through season after season and seeing the different collabs between New Balance and Drake's mm-hmm. and all the brands that they've partnered with, um, Woolrich was another one. Like it's very clear that Teddy wants to mature this brand into a different phase of life, and I think a lot of the based on the people that I know who purchase stuff from ALD tells me that like they're very serious about that, and so yep. I think that's 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 a very telling thing. Is like when does a brand graduate from? you know, that, that small thing, a little bit of a tangent, but hopefully that adds no, more it's, it's a good one. I, I mean, and just, just to touch on that, like, it, I think one of the most fascinating things about 
AMA for me has been that I came from it because I thought that the stuff looked good and mm. was like a like a something that I had not seen within like the contemporary space, right? Uh, what one of the things that I've said from the get go, I don't think that anybody. I I don't think that there is another designer out there that has such a singular, cohesive vision for their brand mm. like Teddy does. Yep. Like he is the he's the king of like the the, the mood board basically. Hundred percent. Right. Like the, the, I I've never seen somebody put together what he puts together in in a in so, in a way that makes so much sense and is so appealing and so attractive, and then it translates. Yep. Flawlessly through his collections as well. It's all so well executed, and that's what I came to it. What I have since realized over the last year or so, as I've become a, I guess, a little bit more of a stan of the of the mm-hmm. brand, is how many of the customers did not come from that, but actually mm. came from Kith and Supreme. Yep. And so that's that's the that's the piece of it that I worry about. And like we talked about, how they're pulling out of wholesale accounts which serve a little bit to like legitimize them as as capital f fashion a little bit and not so much high b streetwear and as they pull that as they pull out of that as they pull back into themselves it's and 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 they do deal with this like uh, this you know ever-growing hype cycle Mm -hmm. it's like can they avoid just being grown-up supreme because i don't want to because because i don't want that you know what i mean and so like i like Right now, they're still in a in a good spot for me where I don't give two shit, shits about the Yankees hats. <laughs> like I don't really like. I think the New Balance stuff is cool, but yep. I'm but it's yep. not what I care most about. Yep. So I I still feel like the stuff that I really like, I still have very relatively easy access to, and I'm I'm not really in a in a dogfight for it. Yeah. And I and I'm so I just kind of like, you know, brush off this the. The stuff that the that the that the grailed boys and the resellers care about, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's definitely something that I'm. I'm yeah, I think I think the the I'm, last few I'm campaigns they did. I think the world's bro was like their big campaign they yeah. pushed the last twelve months, and uh, it's great. I mean, I think you know, uh, aesthetically, creatively, it's a great campaign and a great idea. I think my sense is that part of that is stems from you know, him wanting to sort of maintain this idea that he is a New York brand born and bred. Like he doesn't want to divorce that idea because that's part of his like key base. Right. And then for the people who don't come from New York, who aren't associated with New York, they love that too. Right. Like the Asian market loves anything New York. And I think having that association to New York helps Teddy kind of in the long run. But I think, you know, in the early days of like branding and positioning his brand as, you know, born and bred in Queens, you know, New York, like he's an immigrant, like that's, that's his story. And I think you could see that in the brand early on. And a lot of people who came from, you know, the different boroughs, um, built an affinity for the brand. And I think as he's, you know, matured and stepped into different, you know, tiers, like people with disposable income from different cities and regions and parts of the world, stepping into the brand, it almost kind of feels like that campaign is is a, is is dedicated to um, remembering like that's his base audience. Right. Like he right. wants to serve those people too, not just like the the people who can spend the money on ALD. And I think like in the early days, I remember when they were on wasn't Mulberry Street. I can't remember what street it was. Maybe uh, Elizabeth Mott. Mott. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, they like I remember going to the first pop up and like it was there for a while and yeah. seeing just like the types of kids who hung out in that store versus the types of kids who hang out now. Like it literally used to be. Dudes in like high school and college, yeah, 
rocking their like, you know, Jordan one like high tops, and uh, and now it's like high school and college girls who are bopping down into the city for a weekend. Like, like I went yeah. to the cafe at Leon Door. It's a scene, man. Uh, when I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and that's yeah, the scene is completely different yeah. from from what I remember it as when they were originally on Mott. So. Yep. Just interesting to see how brands evolve like that. It is. Um, another one you have on your list here is uh, that it, that we can touch on is Bare Knuckles. Mm. They, they um, love their love their stuff. They do really really cool stuff. Uh, they, they to me it's it's the brand that I think of when I think about like this like kind of uh, cropped drop shoulder mm. uh, sweater thing yep. that, that happens. Um, and for better or worse, what I also think of uh, Bare Knuckles has also. They maybe led the charge into at least for me what I get served as as like the most homogenized look on Instagram right now, which is which is this kind of like, um, you know, it's the vintage Carhartt, yeah, with the with the uh, retro Dunks, with the you know, with like a tattered hoodie or or um, shredded cardigan of some sort, and yep. like you know what I'm talking about. Totally. I'm, I know you know the in a tote bag. Don't forget the tote bag. <laughs> uh, some type of canvas tote. Yeah. So they, so they, so I, I have a hard time like kind of pulling those two things apart at this point. Like, but if you wear bird knuckles, you've probably tried to get on Auschwitz before. <laughs> um, and so yeah. that, that's, the, but, but it is, I, I totally agree that they are, uh, they're, they're one to watch. And I, I wish that they were yeah. putting out their collections a little bit I think more swiftly. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're pretty thoughtful to think about they, how they, totally. they stagger that stuff out. Um, a lot like Fear of God in that way. They remind me of, of how they're doing. Yeah, like, almost you're right. Like not even seasonal. It, just it does like feel like that a lot. A collection will drop when a collection is ready, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they've just done a, they've done a fantastic job at building out their brand thoughtfully. Uh, I like Jacob a lot. Um, I've only met him once. It was years and years ago in Portland when I stopped by the Maccus store that mm-hmm. used to, I think he used to run that. And then you mentioned a couple other people. Uh, Hellmart is his, Hellmart's his vintage, vintage store, right? Shop. Like yep. awesome, you mentioned when you were talking about yeah. the, the accounts on Instagram, Hellmart is an, an awesome one. Hellmart's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah, it's very clear. Like the brand Bare Knuckles derives a lot of its inspiration <laughs> from, uh, you know, from from Hellmart and yep. vintage vintage sourcing. So um, brand to watch for sure. Uh, what about Stofa? That's the one that I'm not familiar mm. with here on your list. Yeah, Nick Ragosta, he's the one of the co-founders, I think. He's still there. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a little while, but he he comes from like the pity like menswear, men's tailored world uh originally and uh you know, Stofa in in my view is like a representation of like finest Italian fabrics, traditional British tailoring, Japanese sensibility sort of all bundled into one and so um it's just a beautiful brand. Uh they came from like the armory and ring jacket, like these very traditional established, like menswear, tailored clothing, like proper brands yeah, uh, across like Japan and um, Hong Kong and, you know, in the UK, like very well established. And so um, this is a kind of a younger brand and they're by appointment only like in person, but I think they have an online shop, which is, you know, free for everybody to, to pop around and shop from. But I, I just, I love what they're doing. I love like I said this in my post, but like if there's a brand that like I want to be when I'm in my fifties, like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like an old looking dude, maybe I'm like smoking a cigarette. I'm driving on the Amalfi <laughs> coast in a, in a vintage Porsche. Like, yeah, I want to be wearing Stofa. Okay. So that's the vibe. That's a good way to, to, uh, to, to describe it. And I, it definitely has that, like your, that kind of Euro polish to it. 100%. Yeah. Um, just kind of taking the ideas that we're talking about with the, with these brands we're watching, like. Is there anything that we can pull from them to talk about, uh, like what, like 
moving into spring here what what are you what what are you seeing as far as as like spring trends or mm. or things you want to wear things that are e- either holdovers from last year or like new ways to switch it up i know that's a that's that's something that that, mm-hmm. that listeners want to hear about is like what are we wearing for the these upcoming kind of like transitional warmer months but before we get to to all all in all all out like 100 degree summers um yeah what do you got what do you what do you yeah. what do you look what are you looking forward towards First purchase I'm about to make is a pair of Birdwell Beach Bridges. Okay. Uh, which you can say 10 times fast. But <laughs> uh, I just, I've written about them before too. And Birdwell is just such a phenomenal, like, heritage uh, surfwear brand. Yeah. And they make really, really good um, board shorts. And so I'm going to, I'm going to buy a pair of those okay. for, uh, for, you know, as, as the weather warms up a bit. Birkenstocks are sort of an evergreen. And are you doing Staple with, for with your birdwells? Are you are, are you thinking specifically like pool, beach, lake, that type of thing, or will you wear the or will you wear a bird, pair of birdwell surf trunks as like Def, trunks? Nah, just, or like I, just just for water life. Just for water life. Just okay, for water yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that would be a big one. Burks also are you know a staple for me. Are you um, are you a sneaker guy at all? A little bit, not not, but not 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 too big into sneakers. No, not like I waking up at nine a.m. for the sneakers app. Definitely never, definitely never woke up at any hour <laughs> to purchase any any sneaker. Okay. Um, I didn't grow up as a sneaker kid, yeah. and so for me, it's just sort of like muscle memory. Like, yeah, I never adapted to it. I keep up with sneakers a bit and know sort of the market and how to talk about it, but yeah. like I don't. Yeah. So like in in, in, in your, in your specific style of evolution, like we talked about how you you know you're from the south, you kind of buttoned up, you have a you had a preppy kind of base, right? Preppy first, kind Americana of, have, next. Do you feel like that's been a through line kind of all the way? Like, do you is that something that you still hold on to? Like, have you kind of kept with Sperry's and Lovers and Clark's like for the last fifteen years? Is that something that you've kept really consistent? Yeah. Oxford shirts and chinos have kind of always been like part of it. I think yeah. that, again, that's sort of the difference between fashion and style for me is that like. There's pieces that kind of like are this common thread through, you know, as you change and as you adapt to more different styles. I think there's things you can mix up, right? Like sneakers and hoodies, right? But you still keep the base pieces the same. Um, yeah. My my sort of like evolution was like prep wear to or like surf and skate wear as like a adolescent into like preppy or clothing yeah. uh, into then, you know, Americana and like uh wear and tear rugged like vintage stuff and yep. then into more or less like tech wear okay now i I don't really know what i am anymore <laughs> uh i'm rocking some rototo you know wool socks with some like buck mason chinos and a rowing blazers like uh rugby shirt so like it's sort of a weird mix um but that's kind of been the uh the, the vibe over the years and in terms of like i guess other styles like what I've really kind of been into is corduroy. Um, yeah, okay. did a piece also too on like Wes Anderson and just like his consistency <laughs> of wearing corduroy over the years is like his uniform, right? But I, I love the idea of like corduroy shorts. Totally. Yeah. I don't know if you know any brands that are great to buy from. I've seen them a lot of like on on vintage and reselling accounts, but like corduroy shorts for me are just like, dude, I could totally rock a pair of those. I mean, shame, around town. Shameless plug here. Uh, Haller Brothers actually does a really awesome pair of, Do they? of okay. corduroy shorts, uh, and and the 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 twist that we added for the the two new colors in spring were that um, instead of like a little kind of tonal embroidered logo on the back pocket, they got they each got like a specific patch. Looking up which now. I think Love is uh, I, which I, I and I really really dig that detail because I, I just I like that that piece of embroidery and that kind of yep. color pop on on the back pocket. I love like um, the utilitarian like military pocket yeah. on it too on the uh, side. But if, if you like, cool. if you like, an, I know a, 
elastic elastic waistband shorts have been very very popular over yep. the, the last several um spring summer seasons and so i know like that I see them called easy shorts a lot mm-hmm. and i think uh I, todd snyder has yep uh has like seven or eight colors of those right now and i think madewell is doing some as well yeah so it's it, it's out there and i i, I kind of thinking about your the, the surface dead brand it definitely feels like a throwback to like right kind of er, like 70s era surf skate southern california vibes which is um you know always, always easy to buy into i think it's 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 a, a very attractive like lifestyle to just kind of like yeah. adapt uh to 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 your to whatever you're you're kind of feeling totally there's um, yeah there's i mean yeah i think i think that in addition to that um you know brands like alex mill ons uh, like the linen stuff that they put out mm-hmm. um, for for spring summer is like good vibes all around. I know we talked about loafers a little bit, yeah. sort of offline, but uh, Blackstock and Weber's another one of my favorite brands. They get their they get their loafers from the same mill as Tom Brown, okay. And so they make these sort of premium priced loafers, and they do all different types of styles. Like we've seen them drop with the throwing fits guys, um, okay. like the, limited yeah, limited yeah, yeah. run loafers of all sorts of kinds, and. Uh, and uh, and I think that those that's just like a an investment piece to, to to make, and you can rock it with no socks and chinos, or you can rock it with shorts and whatever you want. So I, I've had a really I I, I don't know I, I feel very stunted in this department. I hmm. and and maybe I'm just behind because I feel like I'm very much clutching on to my sneakers. I I don't feel like yep. giving them up yet. And um you know la, uh, last march or april i i bought a pair of the of the ald loafers and you know tried to like kind of jump on board i couldn't do it couldn't do I it i just couldn't i just couldn't they did not they just didn't feel like me you know what i mean That's fair. and i and i That's I, I, I generally yeah. feel like i'm able to kind of wear all sorts of different hats you you mentioned that you don't really like know like how to describe your style right now like i never really even try because i like so much different mm. shit you know sometimes i want to look like a double rl cowboy yeah. and other times i want to look like a you know gork core rick owens ninja <laughs> and so it's like you know I, I don't really try to like pigeonhole myself too much because i know that i'm my, my yep but this but this loafer thing is it's not for some reason i'm i'm not there i cannot it, it might have to do with some like I don't know, like wearing like real. I'm, I'm gonna call them real shoes, yep. like leather soled shoes outside out of the house is not is something I have not done in so long outside of boots that it's it, it's like I I'm I'm having a hard time like breaking into that. That's why, yeah, I like I like Blackstock Blackstock and Weber for that because they've they found a way to sort of casualize, you know, the 2020 or 2021 dresser like men's men's style enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they found a way to help those guys think about, you know, rocking a loafer outside of the context of, oh, I got to be wearing a navy blazer and yeah. a pair of like, yeah. you know, dock pants or whatever. And I think that's sort of that's sort of the idea. And, and I think that's what ALD did too. Like it was early breaking, like teaching you how to break into, you know, the loafer game with a pair of like light washed ripped up denim or yep. with, you know, uh, a rugby shirt and some like, you know, more tight fitted pants and like, uh, wear it with a with a Yankees hat. Like there's different ways of rocking it, and I think um, it, it. I I totally hear what you're saying. And there haven't really been great examples of like even even think of GH Bass, which has been the traditional loafer maker, right? Yeah. Of of note in the West, like they they were popular for decades and decades as prep sort of ruled, and then sure. like I think they're just now coming around to like helping helping men think about like wearing loafers in a more funky 
yeah, approachable outside way of outside of just like that, that preppy that very, cookie cutter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I do feel like I, I think my way in is going to be something with like a thicker, maybe like more like a, almost like a lug sole. Yep. Or even 100%. like a, even like a full on like kilty, something that has more heft to it since that's where yeah. I've, that's where I've been at with sneakers and boots and shoes. It's like, you know, something you can stomp around a little bit more and, and not feel so totally d- dainty in, I guess. So that's that's kind of what I'm on the lookout for, although not necessarily for spring. Um, uh, I'll throw one at you. Camp collar shirts. They do not seem to be going anywhere. And, yeah. And um, I, I, didn't Drake's just drop one of those recently? Yeah. So with like something the red, with the, the red collar on the stripe. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. You know, uh, basically the the um, the the non the, the like the lay flat collar is what I'm talking about. Like that guy. No, no, I'm uh here. Let's. This is anything ah, with anything yeah, with like course. this guy right here. With yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. kind of you know, it's it, we typically think about them on, and when they first came to prominence in in men's fashion, it was on uh, on Aloha shirts. <laughs> but now we're doing now we do a camp collar on on everything basically. I and, think those are gonna pop, man. I think yeah, and and Gorpcore, Hike Beast, whatever people want to call it, like that that style is definitely. Um, the camp collar shirt is is embedded in that style i yeah. think yeah as uh, people are outdoors and wanting to hang about and go on hikes and yeah. camp and stuff like that like people are not just using it for fashion but they're actually doing it because they're outdoors and hanging out and i think yes and it, it is far less i yep. mean they're 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 less stuffy than like your you know your your higher collar kind of more traditional uh stuff totally. and so they, they they do feel they do feel lighter and more casual so i i, I don't yep. see i don't see those going anywhere anytime soon um, what, what, um, uh, last year, uh, I almost like jokingly bought a pair, pair of the Merrill Hydro mocks. They're like the Merrill version of Crocs basically. Yep. yep. I wore them all summer. I wore them five to five times a week probably. And I'm not totally sure what my summer shoe is going to be yet. I've started, I've worn those a couple of times over the last few weeks. Um, but as I've thought about like, man, what am I, when I'm, when I'm busting out shorts again, like what, what are my shoes going to be? And I don't really know. I don't know the answer to it yet. You're going to veer from the sneakers? Well, I, I, it's, I think it's more a question of what, of what sneakers, mm. um, that I'm, that I am, am confused about. And I don't really think that I'm, I'm going to have a, a good beat on it until I just start jumping in the closet and like futzing about. Feel that. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going Birkenstocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. these light suede ones that I'm rocking right now. And then, uh, Hirachis. Can you wear, like, a, can you wear a Boston? Can you wear the clog style through the summer? I, I have too hot. I have a pair. It feels a little hot though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was it feels thinking. a little hot. Yeah. What I was saying too, those Hirachis, not like the sneakers from Nike, but like the Hirachi. Yeah, I've seen those um, popping like up. Like woven le- leather loafers. Like I, sure. I have a pair from a brand called Nisolo. Okay. And Nisolo just makes really great footwear. They have like the factories in Peru um, and do a really good job at making that footwear. But um, the Hirachis that I own from them, I've beat the hell out of those for the last couple of years. And I just, every summer, I just, I always go back to them. And it's just such a fun, easy shoe to wear. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, we are, we're, we're over time here and I don't want to keep you around. I don't want to, yeah, I want to good. burn up too much of your time. I, I know producer Randy has some reels to <laughs> ma- has some reels to get back to. Um, so we can start wrapping it up. Uh, any, uh, any last, any last things you want to talk about like, like spring style or, or any recommendations, any things that you're thinking about b- before we close down that conversation? I think we covered it. I think we did too. I think we got. I think we got some good, some good thoughts out there, and and some good recommendations as well. Yeah. Um, Clayton, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for hopping on and, and shooting the shit about all this. Uh, this was really, really great. 
Everybody, go check out the Sprezza newsletter. You can subscribe by going to Sprezza, S-P-R-E-Z-Z-A dot X-Y-Z and, and dropping in your email address. What Appreciate about it. what about social media? Where can, uh, where can we follow you on, on social? Uh, pretty active on, on Twitter and Instagram only. So uh, Sprezza underscore for Twitter and Instagram is one of those weird ones because I was too late to get the domain, but <laughs> it's like S-P-R dot e-z-z-a or something like that so okay uh well yeah. we can we'll, we'll throw it up on appreciate on, uh, on appreciate the, cl- the love the, the club cool pod instagram yep. account so you can you can find it easily there make sure you're following uh the podcast as well at club cool pod uh clayton we'll, we'll have to get you on one more time i think we'll bef- love that bef- since we since we've we've got a few things that we that we left on the table here today um but b- before you before you head out west we'll we'll get you back and, and maybe phil can join us and you guys can uh I'll just leave and you guys can talk about Natty Wines. <laughs> Let's do uh, it. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, for everybody, for me. listening. Thank you, Clayton, for being here. Uh, this is great. And we'll see you guys next week. All right. Adios. Welcome to the club.